Will your child be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, August 3rd from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com. Real Perspectives seeks real people with real issues for real solutions from real perspectives. The show features inspirational guests, powerful business minds, interviews with top-notch entertainers, and much more. Hey guys, it's your girl Latanya Moore here with Real Perspectives, and we have a fabulous, fabulous guest. Dr. Phil Caravella has more than 40 years of medical expertise and extensive knowledge in the area of the benefits of breastfeeding. Dr. Caravella shares encouragement tips and beneficial information to families that are considering breastfeeding, breastfeeding maybe not considering it. So today he is actually here with us to, to give us a little bit more education and so that he can extend our knowledge about the benefits of breastfeeding. Dr. Caravella, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, and good morning, uh, Latonia, for having me on your program. This is a super great opportunity, and I'm excited about educating people in the importance of breastfeeding, and all of the benefits are amazing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So this is actually a topic that you're, that you're very passionate about. Um, uh, again, you've studied and worked extensively in this area. Tell us, though, what... What started that? Where did that excitement come from? Why are you so excited uh, about breastfeeding? Well, I, it, early in my training, I, I was doing obstetrics and, and deliveries, and then in private practice I did this. And so it was so important to learn about breastfeeding and to involve my, uh, you know, new, my mothers in, in doing this. And um, so I, I've always been enthusiastic about all aspects of preventive medicine throughout uh, my career. And we, we need to do a lot more to prevent problems than to try to put out fires and deal with all of the complications that occur when we have opportunities to do better. I love that because, uh, again, OB is such a, a high-risk field. I know quite a few people that have avoided it like the plague because there are so many risks involved. And so to be passionate about it and, and really just the, the other side, you know, the post-delivery side and making sure that, that moms are, are very well educated on the best health benefits for their child is, is really phenomenal. Now, I will tell you that, when when I thought about breastfeeding years ago, I did not breastfeed my son, but when I thought about it, I had so many people, you know, kind of telling me, oh, that's stupid, that, that's archaic, like no, one, like no one does that anymore. What are some, uh, just like some myths or misunderstandings surrounding breastfeeding? Well, I think the biggest misunderstanding is they don't understand 
the components of what's in breast milk, okay? And if they knew that, they would look at this entirely differently. Let's say that we rate breast milk out of a 10 out of a 10, a breast milk would be 10, and a formula would be less than a 1, okay? Now, the reason for that is because, well, first off, breastfeeding is easy once a few basics are taught to the mother. So I, I think we want to get that out of the way real early here. So it's a natural biological phenomena that essentially all women can participate in with very few exceptions to that. Now, the breast milk itself is just loaded with amazing components that you cannot find in formula. Now, formula is essentially uh, whey casing from milk, from cow's milk, okay? Or it could be soybean. But the bottom line is it, has, it doesn't have... Uh, the hormones that breast milk has, growth factors that stimulate the nervous system, and even visual acuity is improved in the breastfed child. Uh, it develops the intestinal tract through a number of um, substances in the breast milk so that babies do not have constipation. They have normal bowel function. It has anti-inflammatory agents in the, in the breast milk. There are a number of enzymes that enhance digestion of the milk and also defeat abnormal bacteria that the baby can come in contact with. Breast milk has antibodies, IgA, IgG. It um, promotes normal colonization of the intestinal tract. The, uh, there are all sorts of antimicrobial agents, including white blood cells in breast milk that destroy bacteria. So. All of this leads to many benefits that we can talk about, but the, the bottom line is that there is no comparison between breast milk and formula. I mean, it's, they're like entirely two different things. Wow. What do you think is, is really behind this whole change in the thought process? Uh, talk with us a little bit about the history, because I know you, you shared uh, about the history of it and, and how you know, at one time it was it was all breast milk. Now it's it's pretty much primarily formula. Where do you think that shift came in, and and why? Well, that that shift started in about the about 1865 when some gentleman came up with the concept of a formula, and it, it's kind of a mystery as to why this ever happened. Frankly, I I don't know why it really happened because it was kind of something. It answered a question that nobody asked, essentially, or very few people did. So it's, it's sort of a mystery as to why it evolved. However, people thought that it was easier, I guess, to feed uh, baby formulas and things like that, when in fact it really is not easier and it's a lot more expensive. Uh, it costs about $1,400 per year in the first year. I should say in the first year to, to give baby um, formulas that are produced uh, on the market. And that's a lot of money versus zero dollars. So I, it's a mystery to me as, as to why it really evolved. I think some of it might have had to do with uh, mothers eventually getting into the workforce and things like that. And so it was somewhat cumbersome to breastfeed, but now that there are ways to overcome that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so and and the other thing too, I would I would guess is that as as women go into the into the workforce, uh, for example, I know at at my first job I had a friend who uh, she 
she was given, I, I guess, I hate to say it like this, but I guess some type of accommodation to be able to pump, and she had some type of, looked almost like a briefcase <laughs> that kept it, I, I don't know if it kept it cold or, or what happened, but there was a pump, and she was able to store her milk, so she, you know, they were definitely very friendly to to her because her thing was, you know, I can either come back at six months or I can come back after a year, but if I come back at six months, this is what I'm going to need. And so they, they were definitely accommodating to her. Do you think that some of it, at least in modern day, as more women are, are in the workforce, do you think some of that is why women tend to go directly to formula versus breast milk? Well, I think so, but I think that if women understood the differences I just mentioned in the breast milk, they would look at this quite differently. And also, it turns out that companies who encourage or allow their uh, mothers to breastfeed, uh, they have they are much more successful in retaining their employees. Uh, they have lower health care costs. Um, as far as insurances go, they have fewer illnesses, they have less absenteeism, plus it gives the company a very good image. I think there's a lot of things that could be done to promote this in, in, in industry. And um, In fact, the, the, the most critical part is the first six months. Babies should be exclusively breastfed for the first six months, and that's where the bulk of these benefits would arrive. Having said that, going 12 months is even better. So I think that what we need is to kind of open the eyes of business leaders and people nationwide to really get on the bandwagon with this and to start encouraging their employees to do this. This, this really needs to get done because, you know, like let's just talk about something that most people would not be aware of. The average IQ of people is between 90 and 115, but the center of that would be about a 99.5. Now, for every month that you breastfeed, you raise the IQ level of your child by approximately a full point, not quite. So after about six months of breastfeeding, you could go, for example, from a 99.5 IQ up to 105. Now, who would give up five points of IQ? Nobody. I mean, if they have the chance to I mention this because it's something that hardly anybody realizes. It's almost like over the top. So it's, it's a kind of thing that um, everybody comes out ahead, and especially – now, mothers. Well, I, I guess I'm jumping ahead. I should, I should let you speak a little bit. No, go <laughs> ahead. So this, is, this is really interesting. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, for example, mothers. Now, Mothers benefit from the get-go. They, they have less postpartum depression. They have, immediately they have decreased uterine bleeding because the baby should be put to the breast within the first 30 minutes of delivery. They have uh, much better weight loss. So, so the mothers who have gained, you know, everybody gains weight during pregnancy, so they can achieve weight loss at a much greater rate and get back to where they, they were previously before they were pregnant. And that happens much easier by breastfeeding because the baby takes in a lot of calories every day. Okay, They have a decreased risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And the interesting thing is if you have a female infant, the infant has a lower risk of breast cancer for the rest of their life. Also, the mother has a decreased 
incidence of type 2 diabetes. Now, type 2 diabetes is an epidemic, and the reason is is because essentially 75% of adults today are either overweight or obese, and the leading cause of type 2 diabetes is, um, is, is being overweight. Okay, and we could get into the dynamics of that later if you want. But, uh, and then also there's an increased bonding between the baby and the mother. So that, that's huge. And then the benefits to the baby, as much as I just said about the mother, the benefits to the baby are far greater than the benefits to the mother. And um, I can speak to that if you want to. Yes, because one, one thing that I know that I've heard about breastfeeding is that for, for whatever reason, I think there is, uh, your, you know, it, it sort of boosts the immune system of, of well, your child. And with, with right. people, with parents placing their children in daycare centers, for example, earlier and, and earlier, um, close to four weeks, six weeks, I would think that that would be a, a huge advantage, especially because we know daycares, they're like the germ center of, of the world. So, yes, yeah, speak to us, though, about, those, uh, about okay. all of those benefits, especially uh, the benefit to uh, the immune system. Okay. Well, because milk is loaded with antibodies and white blood cells, it goes a long way in preventing all sorts of respiratory infections and Okay, it, it will, there's a much lower instance of middle ear infections, colds, pneumonia, even intestinal infections, meningitis is less, blood infections less. Basically, almost all childhood infections are diminished by breastfeeding. On top of that, there is a decreased incidence in asthma, many allergies. In fact, uh, a lot of allergies and skin conditions have to do with probably being fed formulas instead of breast milk. There's a condition called celiac disease and inflammatory bowel diseases that are diminished as well, dramatically. Okay? Cancers, all childhood cancers are decreased by breastfeeding, especially leukemia and different lymphomas like Hodgkin's disease. But essentially, all childhood cancers are diminished over time. The, um, um, we already spoke about the bonding effect. And the other thing is that people are familiar with, with SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome. That is substantially diminished, too, by breastfeeding. In fact, I mean, like I say, the differences are amazing and the benefits are amazing as far as, um, you know, all of these pluses. Oh, one more thing, too. Type 1 and type 2 diabetes is substantially diminished in an infant who is breastfed. Now, some, the new research seems to indicate that there are proteins in cow's milk that may contribute to type 1 diabetes in the beginning of type 1 diabetes. And that is part of the reason why the likelihood of type 1 diabetes in children is diminished substantially by those who are breastfed. Wow, that, that's all really, really, really great. And uh, again, you've been doing a lot of work in this area. How, how has this been received by the, by the communities that you're outreaching to? Well, you know, I'm just starting to do this as far as 
I spent many years of research in, in the areas of obesity and weight loss and fitness and exercise and nutrition, and then in uh, breastfeeding and even in coffee and the advantages to coffee. And now I'm just starting to get out there uh, and trying to make a difference. Um, I haven't had as much exposure as I would like, but again, this is only, I've only been working in the area of trying to get out before the public for the last, I would say, just a few months, five to six months. So I'm, I'm kind of at the early stages of trying to get out there and attempting to, you know, to have the awareness of all of these problems. At the end of the day, the most important thing that we can do is preventive medicine. And, uh, you know, in the areas of weight problems and obesity, almost all common serious diseases are preventable. Almost all cancers are, are breast cancer, uh, uterine cancer, uh, pancreatic colon cancer uh, are linked to being overweight, for example. And babies who are breastfed have a much lower incidence of being overweight. Okay, it goes, but this, this weight thing applies to everybody across, you know, across all age groups. So um, heart disease is, is diminished substantially by people who uh, maintain a normal weight, are able to achieve a normal weight, and who exercise daily. So there are many, many benefits to all of these things, and I'm trying to get out there and, uh, you know, for the awareness to the general public about preventive medicine and, you know, how to live a good life and a long life and a healthy life. And health care costs are through the roof, and a lot of that is preventable. In fact, 75, well, I believe, actually, one-sixth of the American economy is spent on health care costs, and that, and that doesn't have to be that way. We could be spending a lot more money on the um, development of schools in infrastructure instead of spending huge amounts of money on preventable diseases. Yeah, I, that I think is, is really one of the key points of, of this conversation. I want to go back to, to one thing that I, I'd like to explore a, a bit is okay. the really the, the working mom because I, I, I just believe that that's going to be the, the group that would, would tend to be less likely or the least likely to to just be completely open uh, to this. So let's say you have the working mom, and there is uh, the company that says, "Okay, we'll allow you to to breastfeed, or we will allow you to pump," because of course the kid wouldn't okay. be there with uh -huh. the mom. What are some some tips for for moms in that situation? Are there are there products or are there some things that they could do to make sure? I, I have no idea what the shelf life of, of breast milk is. So what are some things that they could do to make sure that uh, if they pump in the morning that the, the milk is still uh, healthy for the child later in the day? Well, it would have to be refrigerated because it does not have a long shelf life. I mean, probably the shelf life would be a few, uh, two or three hours. But, I mean, if it's refrigerated, that would extend it for, a, a, you know, the entire day without any question. Um, so that's one thing. Having said that, though, I think another thing that we should encourage is, first off, like I have a daughter who lives in Chicago, and she works for a company. She could do her entire job at home on the computer at home, but they want 
they want many of their employees to be right there on the job site, which is not absolutely necessary. And there's probably many people who could work from home on a temporary basis, let's say during the first six months after having a child where they want to breastfeed the baby. Or this may sound a little bit over the top, and it probably is to an extent, and I, I almost want to hold my tongue when I say this, but another possibility might even be to bring the infant or the into the work environment, you know, in a crib or something where the mother would have access to nurse the baby several times during the day. I know that sounds over the top, but, you know, important things require important changes. And uh, I think that it's time. And as I said, at the end of the day, everybody benefits. The company benefits with happier employees, more greater loyalty, more efficiency. Everything gets better. And I think we have to start looking at things in ways that we have never thought about before. But that's called change, and it's called progress. And I think that uh, people who are listening to this, it may open a few eyes and say, look, we can let the mother stay home and work from home. Or we could maybe have the infant come in. There's a lot of things that we have to start thinking about that haven't really ever been broached. And uh, uh, again, I think all of those are are really great. And I think for for our listeners, uh, again, the majority of our listeners certainly are are women that have either probably dealt with this decision or getting ready to deal with it or are dealing with it. And so being able to have those tools and tips and those tidbits of how can they do this uh, effectively and, and keep going. Now, one question, though, what about the mom who hears this? Let's say her child is already on formula, and uh-huh. she hears this and realizes, okay, now I've been educated I'd like to make the transition to breast milk. So we're not even talking about latching on or any of that, but just the transition from from formula to breast milk. How, how do you think that transition would work, and what would you say to what would you advise that mom to do? Well, I frankly, I've never. I, I don't think that that transition would work very well because once the the, the thing about this is breast milk is uh, the formation of breast milk is stimulated in the letdown reflex in the breast by two hormones. In the, uh, uh, there are two hormones that are required for this, and um, those hormones are present immediately uh, after birth. And I, I'm not sure, I, I don't think, I, I think it is possible that a woman who hasn't breastfed, let's say, I'm not sure if you mean within days or weeks, it might be possible to do that, but I think it would be very difficult once a certain time has passed, and I'm not even sure of what that time frame would be. But it would probably, there probably are not very many options uh, in that area once probably a few days have gone by, I suspect. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and I ask that because, uh, again, I, I think that having the opportunity to be, to be fully educated, um, you know, some, some women, they, you know, I, I don't know, maybe their milk's not dried up, maybe they could have a way to, to have it uh, started up again. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no well, idea. Well, you know, I've never been asked. That question, I, it, 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 but you know what? The thing is, I mean, it's a good question. I, I don't have the answer to that. But I think, I think the thing here is that what we want to do is 
is develop the awareness out there where people plan well ahead for this and um, you know there, there has to be a, a, an awakening for the general public and mothers to be aware of this and to think about it and to discuss it with their employers and really um, they you know to move forward with that to, to find out how they can have time off or as I said other adjustments you know they let the mother pump the breasts uh, and so forth at work and the baby has that option when the mother gets home or uh, the thing is though the baby has to be fed during the day about every two to three hours so it would be difficult to let's say pump the breast and store the milk without having access to the baby because the baby needs to be fed probably about oh eight to ten times a day Mm-hmm. Now that now, how long does that last, though, as far as the eight to ten times a day feeding? Well, that you know, the early on, probably for the first, the baby will gain about one ounce a day from feeding. Okay, and probably the uh, the baby will require frequent feeding for, I would say, at least the first month or two, and then you know the frequency drops off as time goes on but in a perfect world you would not introduce any water or solid foods of any type for the first six months the baby should be exclusively fed breast milk in a perfect world for the first six months now okay. is that practical I don't know mm -hmm. you know the, the fact is that at the end of three months only 41 percent of uh, of mothers are still breastfeeding they all had good 80 percent of women have good intentions and want to breastfeed for let's say the minimum recommendation by the american academy of pediatrics is six months exclusive breastfeeding but going out to for a full year is better but 80 percent start with that idea at three months only 41 percent are doing it and at six months only 19 percent are breastfeeding exclusively so it falls off very rapidly and I think it is like you said it's because of the struggles we have in modern society with work responsibilities I think is the main thing here and you know the thing is though it's so critical for the development of children and to diminish the cost of uh, and the the problems associated with all of those different illnesses that I think we just have to find a way in society to uh, to fix this. It's just like everything else. We have to find a way in society to fix the problems of weight problems, obesity, and type 2 diabetes. I mean, uh, we think about this, but we don't change. And I'm hoping, you know, you know, like with programs like yourself, you know, that you have, and, uh, you know, with my efforts and others, to start opening people's eyes about what is critical and how to prevent problems rather than always putting out fires and dealing with the consequences it's gonna it's gonna require a quantum change in how we function in society today mm -hmm. it's not easy it's, it's not easy in uh -huh. I, I hear I hear lot lots of women. Uh, uh, again, this is not based on research. This is just based on d direct contact. Uh, but but lots of women talk about things like hair loss. They talk about things like uh, dental like dental work issues, only to find out 
that probably on, well, not probably, but on their end, they were not maintaining or getting enough nutrients themselves. And so with, with breastfeeding, it was sort of taking, taking that out. And I, I can clearly remember a woman, and I'm not the foremost authority on this, but I remember a, a woman who posted something on social media, and this is a lady that, that I, I knew personally from college, and I inboxed her, and I was telling her, my, my friend who I mentioned, what had happened with her, and the, the bottom line was she wasn't taking her prenatal vitamins uh, the, the way that she was. The other thing, too, that I've heard moms talk about in addition to that is that if the baby has a, a food allergy, that mom may not be allergic to, I don't know, shellfish, but if she eats shellfish, then she's passing that along to, uh, to the baby. So there's been some, uh, again, there, there has been some concern with regard to that. And I, I think also, in addition to the, the workplace, I, I just think it comes down to women just saying, you know, I, I, I want my body back, you know, if I want to, drink a couple of glasses of wine or if I want to eat this or if I want to do that, I can, I can, I mean, that may sound selfish, but I think it's partly some of that. Have you seen any of that in your, your research on this topic? And if so, what are some things that women can, can do really to, to still have their life and, and have their body and, and deal with some of these uh, ancillary issues that, that come along with breastfeeding? Okay. Well, first off, there are many misconceptions about that, and people can have a normal life. Now, let's talk about alcohol. You could have alcohol. You could probably have three or four drinks a day, but you wouldn't breastfeed the baby till about three to four hours after you had the alcoholic beverage, so it would not. The levels would be so low, it would barely be in the breast milk, if at all. So, for example, you could have a glass of wine and then nurse your baby three to four hours after that. That's one example. So that... that that's easy to deal with. Now, the only mothers who have problems, and there are mothers who are unfortunately addicted to, to drugs and things like that of different types, those women should not breastfeed because those drugs will get into the breast milk. Now, as far as food allergies, babies who are breastfed have a lower, much lower incidence of food allergies than those who are not. Okay, I'm not sure that, let's say the mother is allergic to shellfish, as you mentioned. I don't know that that's passed on to the baby. Uh, but it could be that she's allergic to that because people in general who were not breastfed have more allergies across the board uh, and skin problems and atopic dermatitis, okay? Uh, and then you, I think you mentioned, um, wait, what was the other thing about, you mentioned something else about the practical. Hair loss. Oh. Hair loss Hair, and, well, and, and dental work issues. Okay. Well, none of that is really related to breastfeeding. I mean, if a woman's eating a fairly normal diet, or you know, what is a normal diet? A normal diet involves healthy, well, it involves fruits, vegetables, fish, lean meats, basically everything that you would find out in nature uh, provides a healthy diet and provides the nutrition that people need. If they're drinking some milk, too, they, they would get calcium from that. But, you know, people can take vitamin D, they can take calcium, and there's a few things like that they can take. But overall, uh, breastfeeding does not significantly deplete the body of any 
uh, of these substances that would be a problem as long as you're eating uh, you know, a fairly healthy natural diet to begin with. And they should be because that's what they want to provide for their, their infant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. Great, great, great advice. Well, Real Perspectives listeners, we have gotten an earful today. We definitely uh, have to have the doctor back to talk more about this issue and to, and to really also talk with us about those other health benefits, like he mentioned, about uh, fighting off the, the diabetes and, and obesity. What would be, uh, doctor, what would be one thing that you would like our Real Perspectives listeners to gain or take away from this whole uh, notion of let's get back to breastfeeding? Well, I think the most important thing is to, for those who work, to talk with their employers about this and the, and the necessity for it, um, for them to make every effort to consider this possibility because it is so critical. It's so helpful for the mother, for them, to lower you know, their instance of obesity, cancers, heart disease, and it's so beneficial to the baby. I think once people start to really, really think about this, and all of these things we've talked about, I think that's a huge step in the right direction. Awesome, awesome. So how can listeners follow you and find out more about, about what you're doing? And, and, guys, he does have a lot of books, and so we want to make sure that uh, they have access to those as well. Well, the book Wait No Longer goes over a lot of issues on, on how to deal with weight problems and all of the associated diseases and medical problems. So that's, that's something to read. Uh, there's another book I wrote called The Art of Being a Patient, which is very helpful in many ways. And then I, I don't, uh, I'm in the process of putting together a blog that will probably be helpful. Uh, I'm kind of new at all of this from the standpoint of getting out there, and I'm hoping that, you know, folks like you give me an opportunity to, you know, to do this more, and um, again, I have to probably develop more on the internet that would be helpful that people could, you know, write into me about. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. This is Real Perspectives. I'm your host, Latanya Moore, where we seek real people with real issues and real solutions from real perspectives. It's the Flashback Sale at Mattress Firm. Right now, get up to $400 off throwback deals on beds. Plus, we're celebrating the year we were founded with a special price from 1986. A Sleepy's Queen mattress for just $169. Talk about a totally bodacious deal. But hurry in, these awesome blasts from the past savings won't last forever. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Out of participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. Mommy, let's read another. Every child needs to read, but 60% of U.S. children in poverty don't have a children's book in their home. This summer, you and your kids can help change that with Save the Children's 100 Days of Reading Challenge. See how at savethechildren.org read. Once upon a time, a little girl wanted to become an animal doctor. Save the Children. Changing a life lasts a lifetime. 